0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Well, y'all, I was like, y'all like going down to the shops, y'all. And like, so, you know, when like you see an adult painfully attempting to speak millennial? yeah. Yeah. It's that. But Mm. like...
1: Aggressive.
0: Ugh. What's going on guys? And welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly deep dive on everything internet and YouTube. And I feel like some weeks we do that intro and then other weeks we just kind of roll right into it.
1: <laughs> What's up guys, I'm Grace and this is my brother, Elliot. Elliot is a big YouTuber if you're new here and I run Click Management which is our talent management gaming firm. We're Very also- big,
0: huge YouTuber, giant
1: massive nine point something million subscribers dropping every day (laughs) we're also brother and sister i don't know i feel like some people don't know that but
0: There's a lot of dynamics going
1: on. There's a lot of dynamics going on.
0: But today we've got some interesting topics to deep dive into, which is going to be everything from the idea of AI CGI influences, which is apparently a thing that has come up on my radar this week, which I didn't know about, uh, to a couple of uh, tidbits resolving the hot tub um, drama that we discussed last week. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think what we're going to open with is the Epic versus Apple lawsuit case has finally concluded
1: yeah but first of all Elliot how has your week been
0: my week uh my week's been good it's actually been relatively chill I'd oh, say I had a couple I'm of glad. that
1: makes one yeah of us. no
0: I know yours yours hasn't at all well like not chills and I've been sitting around doing nothing but I've just had a lot of like not work things on like I've had hmm. like birthdays and other things which has just meant that work's been hectic when I'm at work because I'm trying to cram in getting videos and streams done but uh I've also had a lot of time not at work which is always nice
1: yeah Fun, yeah. Well, I can't say the same for myself. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. The last few weeks have just been bloody mad, but it's also kind of that feeling where you're like moving really fast on stuff. Everything's happening, and it feels really good. And you're like in the flow, and you're loving. And there's
0: and there's, like, and there's measurable that. output. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Working hard doesn't feel as hard when you feel like there's output being completely smashed every single time you A sit. Thousand
1: down. percent. Uh, sometimes I think with um with my job and like the work that we do at Click which is our talent management firm and a lot of work we do we're doing a whole heap of different things but there is a significant part of the work that we do which is working with brands on campaigns and brands will sometimes come to us and they'll be like hey we have this campaign we need to get it live with a talent like in the next literally in the next like week or two and that is like super normal for us and so it's like you know, you're planning this campaign you're getting it live and then you're invoicing it you're paid and you're done And that can all happen very, very quickly. And I feel like it's almost given me like an ADHD with work where I just Mm. like expect everything to happen really fast. But. We're trying to do a better job at the moment of like planning for the future and putting things in place, which means we'll have like big long-term pieces of work for like the next year or so. But it just takes a long time to bitch Mm -hmm. for those sorts of things. And so it's been slightly frustrating over the last few months. We've been just like putting a lot of time into stuff that like hasn't paid off yet. But now we're in this like mental period and I'm realize I'm sounding really cryptic and I hate it when people are like oh I can't talk about whatever but it all is starting to come together and like definitely and we will some of the things talk about
0: some of it on the podcast probably in a couple of weeks
1: a thousand percent one of them we will absolutely be talking about not next week but definitely the week after yeah but it's good and it feels really good and you know what's exciting is like I realize it's not just the work that I love but like i fucking love like building this business you know and like coming to work right now the team is so good everyone's so excited and it's mental like it's busy and yesterday you know we had like six people in me and Emma's office Emma's our other co-founder and everyone was like holy crap how are we gonna get all this done in the next two weeks but it was also like so nice because it was like everyone was together there was like six Mm. six of us in the room and we were like we're gonna get this done we're gonna get it done as a team and I don't know. It's just like such a rewarding environment to come to right now. Where Everyone is like excited about the potential, excited about like the trajectory that we're on and like passionate about what they're doing. And you just can't. It's good.
0: It's good right now. It's good really team, good, good projects, exciting stuff. Good. Uh, what's what's the word um, for morale? Yeah. yeah. Good morale, realize, good vibes, like, good energy.
1: When you're building a business, it's not always that way. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who who started a business maybe like a year ago. I was like, how are you going? Like, how are you feeling? And it was Monday morning and I was really like gassed up to come into work because we had like a lot of exciting things happening. And he was, he was in this phase and he was just like, fuck. He
0: Is this like, who I'm thinking of? Uh, Would be, I reckon.
1: I mean, Matt? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, We can say his name. And uh, he was just like, dude, it's like one of those periods right now where it's hard and you're like questioning why you're doing it. And yeah. it feels like you're like dragging your feet through mud. There's just issues after issues. Been there, you know, like
0: Got truly yeah.
1: been there. Yeah. Like really been there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like crying into like a pillow at been night. There. been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there are periods where it's like, it's really hard. But I think it's just like, kind of knowing that those periods will come and they'll come again for us. I have no Mm. doubt. But then there are also the periods where you just feel like you're flying and like you've got the right people Mm. in the right places and the right kind of work. And it's like, that's my rant for it's this week. It feels it feels
0: good. Good productive vibes. Yeah, and definitely. I'll tell you who else has been productive: the courts in Epic vs Apple. What a segue! I'm <laughs> what trying a to. Segway. I'm really working on my segues at the moment. Amazing. Um, for those who are unaware, a very very quick catch up. Um, basically, over a year ago now, Epic Games decided to. Um, basically put something into Fortnite that allowed people to purchase V-Bucks and circumvent the Apple payment system On uh, if you're playing Fortnite on the iPhone. Apple said, no, 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 you must pay your pound of flesh if you wish to exist in our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So they took Fortnite off the App Store. Epic said, haha, we knew you were going to do that, and now we're suing you. So uh, basically... Epic baited Apple. Apple was always going to do what they were going to do and Epic had fully pre-planned to sue them to challenge the fact that currently- If you're basically, if you have an iPhone, the only way that developers can put apps on the iPhone is through the App Store and the App Store takes, I believe, a 30% cut from Mm -hmm. everything on that. If you want to hear
1: Elliot and I rant and argue on this, we've been following this for the last month or so. Yeah, I
0: think it was actually two episodes ago that we talked more in depth about this. But anyway, long story short, Epic is basically saying that you can't say that this is the only way that you're allowed to share apps on on the iPhone because you're a market and that's being a monopoly. Uh, And they're also saying that the cut they take is just obscene. So Apple has obviously responded in court because they make billions and billions with a B from this system.
1: Billions with a big B. So
0: Epic is really challenging, like a pretty fundamental part of the whole Apple ecosystem. The
1: outcome of this, it, it can't yeah. be understated. doesn't
0: matter if you don't care about Fortnite. It doesn't like matter you, if you don't care about Literally, gaming. this isn't about Fortnite. Like Fortnite was the thing that started it, but it it, it's trigger. kind of like when you get these giant Supreme Court cases mm-hmm. that... Yeah, it's, it's not about the one case. It's about the precedent that, that sends at sets for, that just echoes through everything. So this would change the entire digital ecosystem but basically uh they've been in court for weeks now arguing and arguing and arguing there have been some pretty hilarious moments in there for example uh at one point showed the Fortnite banana skin and he was wearing a suit and the apple lawyer stood up and he said is that banana always wearing a suit and they said no he also comes in a naked form but we thought we'd put him in a suit because we're in court (laughs) Um and it just some very weird back and forwards basically. That's um, so funny. But but it brought in everyone. It brought in from Tim Sweeney, who is the kind of founder and majority owner of Epic Games, mm-hmm. to Tim Cook who is the CEO of Apple. Really, like it shows how high profile this case is that this is the kind of thing that Tim Sweeney and Tim Cook are fully invested in. Yeah, getting them out of bed in the morning. Um, Definitely getting them out of bed in the morning. Right now, the arguments have concluded. All the evidence has been submitted. Uh, There is now a single judge. They don't have juries in cases like this because I think literally just the the amount of knowledge
1: and specialized knowledge
0: you need. It's not like a, did he do it? It's Mm. kind of like a, a much deeper question than that. Yeah. So now this one lawyer, sorry, this one judge sits with that evidence for the next two to three months, possibly wow. longer. That Like I in I think in minimum a month, but it could be months, sir with the plural. Uh, and then we'll basically come back and deliver a verdict. Bloody big call. Big call. Huge call. And I think um it, it's gonna be very interesting. I think right now the prevailing opinion is is neither side is going to fully win. The judge isn't gonna say, yep, Epic's completely right. Apple, Mm -hmm. you now need to fully open up your ecosystem to everyone and everything. But but they also think they are gonna hit Apple with some pretty significant kind of policy changes Mm -hmm. that require them to restructure the way that they distribute digital apps and allow for a lot more competition. But basically, if you're uh, excited to get Fortnite back on your phone, you might have to hold up because it could still be a few months away because obviously this has all got to get resolved before that's even going to consider happening. But if you are excited for potentially revolutionary change to the digital <laughs> games distribution, then uh, stay tuned. Because and
1: has Tim been talking about this publicly at, at all? Both Tim's, oh, Tim Sweeney and so
0: Peter. glad you brought this up. I don't believe Tim Cook has quite as much. Uh, but what I thought was so funny, I've talked about this in previous episodes, how Tim Sweeney, majority owner of Epic Games, Games. CEO, CEO, no, nah. founder, all all the big title cards, uh, billionaire with a B, like a big, still likes like though, like a big b, literally. His closing tweet on the final day of the case was like, hey guys, like the Apple v. Epic case is now concluded. Um, I'm not going to be commenting publicly on the case uh, until we get a verdict delivered. But I do want to say shout outs to Popeye's Chicken for opening a restaurant across from the courthouse, because that's really got me through the whole process. Literally.
1: No, did he actually? Literally
0: tweeted that. Yeah. He was like, shout outs outs to the Popeye's Chicken that's across the road from the courthouse. Like actually incredible. And then I think a couple of weeks ago, he bought up another giant area of forest, which once again, just signifies that he is the most unconventional and, uh, you know, everyday billionaire that I have ever heard of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Elliot said it before and he would say it again.
0: We stan. We stan Tim Tim Sweeney. Sweeney. We do. We do love Tim. We do love Tim. That's going to wrap us up on, uh, giving you the update on Epic versus Apple. And I think we've also got an update on the big topic of last week's podcast, which was hot tub streamers.
1: Yeah, we covered this in a fair bit of detail where we really examined what the terms of service look like in and an interesting way for a yeah. platform. And
0: to quickly catch people up, if you're not aware, basically, obviously, on Twitch, the biggest live streaming service, you do need to adhere to a certain standard of clothing yeah. so that it doesn't turn into a triple X way to
1: be a family-friendly platform. Yeah.
0: So it doesn't turn into a uh, sexual content forward kind of platform. Uh, however, they had an allowance for contextually appropriate clothing, which people very quickly figured out meant that if you put an inflatable hot tub in your living room and then pointed a camera at it, you're allowed to wear pretty much whatever you want because bikinis these days can go down quite a lot uh, and obviously this became a huge category basically he fully took over the platform now since then a number of things happened number one twitch came out and disabled ads on I believe Amaranth was is the channel she was kind of like the the real picture the face of the mm-hmm. hot tub streamer movement I believe it's Amaranth I hope I'm not and we
1: wrong. really like in that last podcast which you can go back on we kind of examined what the implications of this was both for Twitch, for advertisers, for the creator scene in general, and and the pros and cons that came with this. Mm. So she was demonetized,
0: And I think this is always probably what was going to happen because I think this kind of actually very largely solves the problem. It allows them to say, look, we have to have an allowance for people to be able to stream themselves at the beach. And obviously, if you're at the beach, you're not going to be wearing full clothes. So like... It's very, very hard for them to put a policy in place that is clear and distinct that means that they could ever get rid of that type of content. So sure. I think it sounds like the rule they're going to go with is that, and I don't know if they're going to be applying this across all channels that do this, but that they simply just won't be showing ads on channels where you're dressed Less than in full clothes, so so, and and I think to help enforce that, they've now created a pools, beaches, and hot tubs category because I love that they had to specifically like note hot tubs in there, which is like a new category you can stream in on Twitch. And I, I, well, I don't believe this is confirmed by Twitch officially yet. I do believe that if you do stream in that category, you will either not be getting ads or you will only be getting advertisers who are paying a reduced rate to. Put ads on that category.
1: And what do you think that does to like the front page of Twitch or most watched? Cause that was something that we spoke about where you log on to Twitch and you're just overwhelmed with hot tub streamers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it now allows Twitch basically, I think to handle that area of content a lot better. So now they can A, give advertisers a lot more assurance because advertisers might've been coming saying, Hey, mm-hmm. we're not going to buy ads on your platform because we're buying ads generally. And we don't want them to randomly end up on these streams.
1: Right. Now they can. Now
0: they can say, okay, we just won't put them on this category, which is the category of concern. On top of that, it means when it comes to like suggested streams and what streams they're promoting and making the face of the website, they can also now say, yeah, if it's in that category, we're probably not going to have that as like our best foot forward when someone walks through the door.
1: So as far as how you thought Twitch was going to handle this, how you thought they could handle it, what do you think about the outcome that they've come to? Do you think it's a good outcome? Do you think they've like hit the nail on the head in terms of how they've approached it? Or do you think there's still going to be issues? I
0: think their hands were, I think this was the only outcome that could ever have happened. I'm just amazed it took them this long because effectively, like we mentioned before, you cannot create rules that really outlaw the wearing of a bikini without being overly prohibitive on what kind of content you could ever mm-hmm. have on the website. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, if you're like walking, even if your clothes and you're walking along a beach and someone's in a bikini, are you in trouble then? I It just becomes too hard. It's impractical. But at the same time, they couldn't have this be a kind of content that's mixed in with everything else. Otherwise advertisers are going to walk away because they don't feel like their ads are safe, just Mm -hmm. like what happened with the YouTube adpocalypse. And that's bad for the whole website. It's bad for Twitch and it's bad for every individual creator who isn't a hot tub streamer. Mm. So by targeting that specifically, they're effectively just doing what YouTube does. YouTube obviously doesn't need the category quite as much because YouTube has the most god tier AI systems that I will never understand that seem to just be able to instantly detect what is happening, what is being said, what is being viewed and they can automatically kind of run it all. But it's effectively what YouTube does. YouTube says, hey, there's content in this video that we don't think our advertisers are going to like. Therefore, we're not going to put ads on it. You can still have it on the website as long as it's not literally XXX but we're just not going to advertise on it. Gives the advertisers safety, allows them to be uh, kind of a bit more flexible with what content they allow without threatening the whole ecosystem. So yeah, I I think it was kind of always going to go here. I'm surprised. I'm actually a bit disappointed in myself. I didn't logically uh, kind of say that this was going to happen last week because literally, like we're saying, there was no other way it could have gone. It could never have outlawed bikinis. It just physically doesn't work and they couldn't have not addressed it not that I think they care as much about the community backlash they would care about the advertiser backlash
1: I'm surprised as well that you didn't just clearly mention what you now yeah. think is the only outcome it's very out of character for you but yeah like you I usually know right on everything
0: I know I'm never wrong not <laughs> once
1: I think although this feels like an obvious outcome and I think it is it is the right one I'm in I have to say with Twitch and maybe it's because my bar for the way that they <laughs> like handled scandals or issues in the past is low. Nor-
0: normally my response to Twitch has been, we set the bar low and you guys managed to get a shovel.
1: In the past, the way that Twitch has dealt with community guideline issues has not been good and and I don't think my opinion is unique there. I think most people would say that the way they've handled a lot of different issues in the past from issues – around sexual content around um unsafe content content concerning animal cruelty content concerning um i i would say even like when ninja originally left the platform to go, mm. to, go to mixer and how he and hand, how, they how
0: they handled that handled
1: that i think they've in the past it's it's felt overly emotional and it's felt yeah,
0: very unprofessional um,
1: it's felt Chaotic. honestly in some ways kind of bizarre like someone was just like knee-jerk reaction yeah. this is how we're doing it and it was wrong and it was it was not considered it wasn't long-term practical. Anyway. I do think this is the right outcome. I think yeah. this is a balanced outcome. It feels measured. It feels like it's taken into consideration all the major players on the platform being the platform itself, the creators, the advertisers, and the viewers. So I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I,
0: I got to say, as much as I think the outcome I'm impressed by, that, that Twitch ended up getting somewhere that is vaguely logical, mm. you know, very out of character for Twitch actually managing to do something that makes sense. At the end of the day, it took them. Two months. It took them two months. It long. took them That's two months true. to come to true. this after huge amounts of backlash. And what I'm guessing really only ever pushed it over the line was advertisers probably starting to actually ring up because it was getting so much attention and saying, hey, do we need to pull ad spend? And they were like, hoi, give us 24 hours and we're going to have a great solution for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what's been the response from the community?
0: I think largely good. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's it, people are very much-
1: What about the response from the hot tub streamers?
0: Uh, I think the main criticism. I think anyone who is, you know, logical, and obviously it's very it's very easy to get emotional. But I think even hot tub streamers understand that they have to be put in a different ad category, or the yeah. whole website doesn't work. Like if you if you're getting it's angry, ultimately not good yeah, for them. Either. If you're getting angry at Twitch doing that, well, I'm sorry, but you just don't understand the reality of how the industry works. And then I think from the community standpoint, uh, I think XQC. Uh, put it quite well which was um, as much as it sucks uh, having creators have ads taken off their channel it's literally like jesus on the cross like they died for our sins you know <laughs> like th- that's literally it Who they said that? Uh, XQC. He was like, he tweeted something like that. It was kind of like, they need to die so that our ads remain. <laughs> like, that is actually a good way someone of putting it. Someone needed
1: to take the fall. Someone this. needed
0: to take the fall and someone needed to take the hit. And realistically, the people who take the hit should be the people who created the problem, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is kind of the case. Yeah. Um, and, and to
1: recap on that briefly for for what we're, what we're saying is that basically for advertisers, yeah, they need to feel safe that they're putting... Their ads on content that works. Um, Otherwise, they just simply won't advertise. They will pull advertise. ad spend from the whole platform, and which then isn't every, good for anyone. No. It, yeah,
0: and um, I mean, but uh, to go back uh, to the point of Twitch not being good at dealing with issues, normally, even though they ended up getting to a decent point with this, on the way there, they actually pulled ads from a huge number of channels, including Amaranth, who was the main hot tub streamer. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't tell them. Just didn't. Just demonetized them, and was just like, oh, Like, that, they'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, so quite awkward, actually.
1: Speaking of demonetization, did you see that James Charles's channel has also been added to the YouTube demonetized list? I didn't. Full channel demonetized. <sighs> After yet another scandal that he's had with talking to underage. I
0: really... Wait, another one?
1: It's a couple weeks ago. Oh, now. okay, that so one. I thought you meant it was been, another one. I was like, my
0: God, man. He's
1: been largely offline. Yeah. For the last few weeks, he really hasn't anything or uploaded any kind of content. He's doing the the classic PR move of take a break. But his whole channel has been demonetized.
0: I really feel like there is now a very identifiable trend between people who become the darlings of YouTube. Like literally YouTube would use him as like the face of the platform. Oh, yeah. Uh, Same with like PewDiePie back in the day and so many other creators, Um, Shane Dawson and just all and then very... And very, yeah, David Dobrik, oh my God. And very, it's like all these creators, it's just like YouTube's come out, they're like, oh, far out. All right, yeah, no. Um, friendship ended with insert person who was once popular here. Yeah. Like they go, yeah, pretty. I think
1: there's definitely an inter- interesting discussion to be had around when YouTube steps in. I mean, to demonetize a whole channel is is an action from YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a it's a very bold action mm. and it's one that they haven't done a huge amount in the past. And I think it's really interesting. I, I would love to know more. I think there's like a lot that we don't know, but like... Who's making that call? What kind of channels are on that list? Are they channels that only have a certain audience size? Where their public profile is such that it could potentially have an apocalypse? I don't know. What do you? What, do you have any initial? So it's thoughts? actually I super. I think we could do a whole episode on this. It's
0: set. super interesting, actually. And and keep in mind here, I'm actually quite indifferent. Not indifferent, but I'm just not informed enough. Nor is it an area of YouTube in terms of being referencing like the beauty vlogger area that I actually care enough about that I've looked into it. So I'm not really invested on whether or not I think James is guilty or innocent or any of that kind of thing. This is just very much coming from a uh, emotionless content perspective. I, I mean, a do very much believe in innocent until proven guilty, but I also wonder, and I, and actually I can see two arguments here, but I, I am very against demonetizing without purpose. Cause I think that's always been a really big issue on YouTube and basically all online content platforms. If if you're gonna if YouTube's gonna demonetize a video, let alone an entire channel, I think they need a directly citable reason mm. as to why the content on this channel is so non ad friendly. Yeah. That your entire because with James Giles, obviously, he's made enough money. He's got enough stuff going on. He's going to be fine. He's eating at the end of the day. But for a lot of creators out there, this is their job. This is their livelihood. Yeah. And basically, kind of like your boss coming up to you and just being, hey, just um, just not going to pay you for a bit. Like, keep coming to work. We're just not going to pay you. Like, that is a decision that needs reasoning mm. and logic behind it. And if they've just gone, oh, James Charles got a couple of like dicey kind of accusations around right now that he has refuted, from my understanding. But there's some dicey accusations, a bit like, Ugh, like demonetize the whole channel mm. for me. I don't know if I fully agree. The counter argument to that just quickly, because I do want to balance myself, is advertisers coming and saying, hey, we don't want our ads associated with someone to whom we think is a controversial enough figure that it could negatively Mm. uh, impact our brand's perception. At which point that's a much bigger conversation.
1: And to be fair, while the example that you give of having your boss come up to you and be like, hey, we're just not paying you, in some ways that does happen on professional sports teams, on high profile roles, if someone has been accused of something that's bad or is alleged to have potentially done something that person can be stood down or at least paused in their employment while it's come to a conclusion.
0: My understanding is that is almost always paid leave. Like you'll be put on leave, but your salary, mm. like they might be like, we don't want you to do stuff here anymore, but they still pay you. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I. my understanding of most of those situations is you're just on administrative leave. Yeah. And your salary is still coming in. And so- for Very me,
1: interesting.
0: it's super interesting because
1: it's one of those things where, and, and it's kind of like a catch 22. It's like the opposite of the Twitch situation where you feel as though, you, what is the guideline? Like what, what is that bar that mm. you need to, that box that is ticked where it's like, no, you are not suitable. Your whole channel is not yep. suitable for monetization and who's ticking it and what actually is the criteria Is there criteria? Because at the moment, from an external perspective, it does feel, although it's obvious that he's going through a real public backlash at the moment, what actually is quantifiable in Mm. that that means you're demonetized and who's responsible for implementing it? Does the creator know why or what they've done? And at what point is that? Remonetized monetized yep. again it it feels like there's a lot of discretion in there somewhere
0: and also sets a bit of a dangerous precedent of mm. if you are and once again I'm not I'm not trying to downplay any of the accusations and screenshots that have come out because I know there are there is like a level of evidence and James Charles refuting it by saying he was lied to in messages that have since been deleted that's my basic understanding of the situation I, I think a pretty big principle of society is innocent until proven guilty. Mm. But also if if the precedent that YouTube is setting is hey, if someone has accusations come out against them, we'll demonetize their channel. That is kind of scary. Similar to what we were talking about with that BitClout coin, the other, Mm. if if people know, and with the BitClout one, that was the concept of shorting a creator and then profiting from their downfall and creating false things to try and get them canceled. But if you have a creator and you think whether or not just for fun, there are trolls on the internet, or whether because you actually have something out against them. And if you know that all you need is some half decent screenshots, that could be photoshopped, and you know, and and basically just throw that out there, and YouTube will be like, oh, yep, yeah, we'll demonetize it. That's a dangerous precedent, yeah, to to, ha- to have set. Once and you again- look
1: at the precedent of channels that. YouTube has demonetized in the past and I was just double checking there. But obviously, you know, what we spoke about almost a year ago now was Shane Dawson, whose channel was completely demonetized again, like another real almost golden boy of YouTube and one of the absolute OGs, like an iconic name on the platform who um, had a public fallout 10 months ago and was fully demonetized. And he hasn't uploaded on his channel in 10 months, 10 months. Crazy. Crazy wild wild i wonder what he's doing right now Mm. and i wonder what his plan is i mean he was also at a different point in his career he made enough money
0: from the honey sponsorships that he doesn't have to get yeah
1: yeah and and maybe and he was at a different point in his career and he had made enough money and maybe he feels as though you know what i'm done i don't need to go back to that it's not worth the public perception james is like what 21 he's so young and Mm. he was not yet peaking I think he was still on a very upwards trajectory and he's and he's so young he's so young he's like think about most 21 year olds you haven't even started your first full time job yet i think um james will come back
0: yeah i think he will come back i think he'll definitely come back i think damn it's tough as it's, well
1: like it's, it's hard like far out to have that kind of audience and have your learnings and development and i'm not making any excuses for anyone absolutely not and i think james While he is very young, he's had a quick exposure and he knows what's right and wrong and I think he probably would recognise he made some mistakes, but I still feel for young people that are growing up in a large spotlight, you know, there, a lot of there people, are huge perks and, and there are also challenges.
0: And I think, and I don't think most people are honest with themselves. And once again, not downplaying the mistakes that he's made at all. Cause I think if true, they are pretty damn serious, but I think a lot of people make mistakes. And I think uh, when they're in their teenagers, early twenties, but the, Good thing is most of them, you just kind of get to forget and move on from and they kind yeah, of Yeah, and you didn't don't. have
1: 20 million people and, watching them. Yeah,
0: and you can learn from them versus and and kind of be like, okay, that was a mistake I made and I'm going to now become a better person. But I think when it happens in full view of the internet, mm. a lot of the time you are not allowed to move on and yeah. kind of go forward. But I, anyway. And I
1: think absolutely just to reiterate, not making any excuses for anything and I've fully believe that he has made some major mistakes but I think we're just recognizing that like in addition to all of that growing up in such a spotlight in that kind of world where people are looking for you to fail does come with challenges like regardless
0: definitely um I didn't even know we were doing that topic today what a great one you just threw in that was uh you nowhere. know,
1: spontaneity is my middle name.
0: Alrighty. Well, the last topic I think we were going to chat about today, which I don't know. I feel like this could end up being like a bit of a longer one or it could be a super short one because it's so kind of new and confusing to me that I don't even really know where to go with it. But it's the idea of digital slash AI influences. Yeah. So this is something that I literally didn't know existed until I guess basically started today. I think the biggest one goes by the name of Lil McC Michaela, little Michaela. And basically all these are is 3D kind of animated people and faces that are influencers. They're
1: influencers, but so they're I, not real people. They're I mean, like I, robots. Yeah, I believe
0: they're... I believe the practicality of how this is done. It's created by a company. That company has about 20 employees and I believe they have three digital creators. Michaela Michaela being the biggest, and they will go out. They have a model who is the body and they do photo shoots in real life. Then they CGI the face of the person onto those photos. And initially, I believe, started as an Instagram page, now has a TikTok and also a YouTube. If you're wondering like, oh, that sounds like a fun little gimmick. No, apparently she makes like $10 million a year. $10 million a year, which... Blows my mind, but that is apparently how successful this kind of thing is, which is so interesting for me.
1: Yeah. What are your first impressions? Like, is this, if someone told you about this and you didn't know the numbers behind it, what would you say? Would you be like, yeah, that could be massive?
0: If someone came to me and it was the first ever person to do it, I think I would say I can see the merits in exploring that because of the gimmick of being the first slash only slash biggest AI digital fake influencer. But my understanding, and I feel like we've talked about this a lot before, my understanding of the rise of influencers and becoming bigger and becoming like the majority of the way people consume content is this desire to have a more like personal connection Mm. with an individual. You know, it's the idea that you don't want to see these fully scripted things happening on TV and you do want to kind of be there for like the mess ups and the good times and the like, whatever, like dumb stuff, that influencer that you're following is going through and getting up to. At the core of all that is very much that that real, and even though you know, obviously influencers can be a bit fake sometimes, but at the end of the day, it is that more real, genuine human thing that is the big draw card for a lot mm. of people following influencers. And I I just, I don't understand because this is, this is someone who is very much not in the most literal sense, not a real person, but also very, very scripted and is put together by a team of multiple, multiple people and ultimately has a company behind it. Whose sole objective on that project is profit. It was started as obviously a profit making enterprise and that's what it is. I, I just, I find it really weird.
1: Yeah. I agree. I have to say I agree and and I've known about this for a little while now, and I feel like you know I hear a lot of kind of interesting pictures in my job about like mm. new opportunities and that sort of thing. So I feel like I first heard about this like a year ago and I and I've and I've looked up this virtual creator before and a couple others. and I've sort of had the same feeling. like I think like one of the things people love about following creators or influencers, whatever you want to call them, is the fact that there's this realness to it. And there's this like element of like, that could be me or it could be one of my friends or it could be my group of friends. And like, it's kind of that, but elevated or the, there's extra drama and whatever. And like, you know, I think an interesting example is like, you look at like all the TikTok created drama that's going on and like these hype houses and the relationships and the breakups and like, and you it know is that a that's reality real. TV show. Yeah. And you know, it's like a reality TV show, except It's fully raw because, well, now some of them are literally getting reality TV shows. But like before that, you're seeing it all play out in real time. Like they're making TikToks on it. They're on Instagram stories. They're like talking to the paparazzi about it. They're going on podcasts and talking about the fact that like, yes, my boyfriend like cheated on me last week. And like, this is what he texted me this morning. And it's like so real time. And it's such a almost, I don't know what the word for it is. It's not like
0: obscene. It's like
1: (laughs) kind of voyeuristic. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. it's very. Yeah. Very. Yeah.
1: Real. Yeah. That's the appeal, and like knowing that it's real is like when you sell them a product, it comes like that. That human connection means something.
0: And I and I was doing some research on um, Michaela and her account. Obviously, you've got the ones on Instagram. This is the one where I'll kind of let it slide. Find it a bit interesting, which is you know they're just photos of her on Instagram posing places obviously yeah. with a real world model that then has the face imposed onto it I can kind of understand that because the mm-hmm. posts are still aesthetic the posts still have this like you know really interesting clothing mm-hmm. or style and all that kind of stuff behind it so I can understand there it's less about the personality and more just about the aesthetic and the look where I found it super interesting is when I went onto the TikTok because on the TikTok it's got don't get me wrong like the classic memes like reacting to sound bites and that kind of thing which I can kind of get but then it was it it was things literally like um, part one, part two of like story time being like, all right. So true story. I went to the supermarket the other week and like I ran into this guy and I'd been chatting to this guy on this dating app for like three months now. And he was so hot. And I'm just like, I know you're an AI. It's I know. It's not a this true story. This is scripted. You have true story on this. It is not a true story. And you're not trying to hide the fact that you're an AI. So obviously this isn't a true story. And this isn't like one of those VTubers where it's just a a real person who is using this as a mask. No, no, no. It's very much like this is an AI that is scripted. So you know that this isn't real. You know it's not a true story. There'll be even uh, like posts like, oh, just wondering, Michaela, Like, do you have a heart? And be like... No, I don't have a heart, but I do feel and see and I and I have emotions just like everyone else. And you're just like, haha, cool. But you wrote that on a script with eight people that you went through and talked about what you should re- respond to this point. So no. Like, I think it's
1: fascinating. I find though. it so
0: interesting. I find it
1: fascinating. Fascinating because it's like these people are trying to construct what are the bits that make people connect to someone and can we redo that?
0: It actually doesn't even come across as genuine in the sense of like, I know it's scripted, but wow, this comes across well. The scripting and the memes and everything. Oh my God, you can tell so much. They are like, how do we make this appeal most to like 14 to 17 year old people? Cause she'll open up and be like, well, y'all, I was like, y'all like going down to the shops, y'all. And like, so, you know, when like you see an adult painfully attempting to speak millennial? Yeah. yeah. It's that, but mm. like aggressive. Uh. And I'm just like, oh my God, you're- throwing in so many millennial tropes here, like it's actually overwhelming me. It doesn't It doesn't feel real. But here's the thing, and I always find these so interesting. So interesting to me when I have things where I'm like, this is dumb. This shouldn't work. This is silly. And even though with NFTs, tap on wood, they could still come back. We were kind of right about that being more of a phase than a long-term thing, which it, at least in the months after, has semi-proven to be, at least at the level it was at. This is one where I, I don't know. I find it like, uh, you know, so we're talking to- She's got real engagement. She's got real engagement she's got real followers you've got She's doing real brand deals. She's, she's literally on, she's doing a brand deal that's a collaboration brand deal that Samsung's running, where she is alongside Ninja and a bunch of other like real life influencers. Oh, I find it so interesting and I, I think that I've, you know, I was chatting to some people before the podcast about this topic and there's this whole notion that like, oh, but you know, like are you going to have these studios that like build up these IPs behind these like virtual influencers who then like movie studios would come and pay this character to be an actor in their movie that is a CG character. And I'm just like, oh, I don't think so. But like, I don't think so. Yeah, also, I mean, but
1: there's some know. like major pros, there's some major pros I can imagine from the perspective of like running a talent management agency and like working with a lot of brands. Talent to having exactly a talent what you want when that, you want it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to having a talent that, you know, I don't mean to sound like, what about like, is literally within your control. Yeah. Like they're not going to go rogue and say something totally unbrand safe. Like what's that, no risk you, of that. You
0: do want to do this brand deal. Oh, great. Oh, wow. You didn't have a choice.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 But like they're not going to go off. They're not going to like do a David Dobrik yeah. or a James Charles and do something really inappropriate that means brands have to like worry about their own brand safety and campaigns and all that. They're going to be consistent. They're not going to deliver briefs late, I'm sure. They're going to be on time. They're going to Mm. be able to give you exactly the messaging that brands want. And you have the ability to control the IP, which is something that in the talent business is really, really rare and quite difficult to achieve. So I see all those benefits. At the same time, I also see some of the best things that come with working with creators is that they're not going to exactly follow a script And they have this like unique connection with their audience and they're able to talk about something in a way that you can't script out. And can that be achieved in AI? I don't know. I don't know. Very cool.
0: (sighs) It's very interesting. The future is a scary place. I would be very interested to know, to everyone listening, if you would like to uh, leave a comment down below about what you think about the whole topic of AI influences because maybe I'm just a skeptic. Maybe I'm crazy.
1: Sometimes it's like this kind of stuff that happens. I'm like, am I too old?
0: Am I, yeah. Am I the grandfather with the Nokia who doesn't want to change over to his iPhone? Yeah, yeah literally. But I guess we'll find out when we read the comments.
1: Guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Watch Time. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.